This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. You decided to join us here on the Bonfire Podcast. That's great. You made it just in time to hear me start my political monologue. Mm. Oh, that's right. I don't do that here. Oh, it's I, I feel the need to constantly remind you that no, there is no politics here. You made the right choice by clicking on the Bonfire Podcast and listening to me, Andrew, talk about the apolitical things like life, culture, entertainment, food, travel, all that good stuff. So, congratulations. You are now one step closer to avoiding politics. Now, last week, or not last week, two weeks ago, I, uh, I found an article on the Washington Post, this uh, Stanford psychologist talking about why we should goof off more often, how it's actually good for you. Well, I actually found another article that she wrote recently, and here she is suggesting that the, uh, there are six things that are the keys to happiness and success. So I'm going to break down really quick these uh, six keys that she um, suggests are the keys and um, going to say, well, here's how they apply to your personal life and your work life and how, yeah, these sound about right. I I agree with you. And this is Emma Cepela. By by the way, I I think that's her name. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but, you know, I'll just have to tweet her at some point and say, so how do you pronounce your name? Help me out here. But... Emma, this Stanford psychologist here, she wrote a book called The Happiness Track, How to Apply the Science of Happiness to Accelerate Your Success. Okay. She's saying, here's how you can be happy and successful uh, in your personal life, in your work life. Well, number one, she says, live in the moment. Okay. Live in the moment. We've heard that before. In your personal life, you think, okay, live in the moment. What, what does that mean? That means, you know, when you're out traveling or you're at a concert, a sporting event, you're with friends, you're on a, a, you know, playing games with them, board games, whatever, eating dinner. How about you put the phone down? I don't know. I mean, you got something right in front of you. Watch the game or eat your food or talk to your friends. Put the phone away. Live in the moment. Know what's, what's right in front of you and enjoy it because it is going to end and then you're going to move on with your life. So it's the only thing human beings you know, can't ever really get back. It's your time. Once it's gone, mm, goodbye. So live in the moment. Appreciate what you have right now. And don't, uh, don't dwell on the past you know, and live in it. And don't look to the future and live in that either. Be where you are right now with the rest of us. That's all we can do. 
to mull on the past, you know, is not going to do you any good. You know, there's a tendency for us to kind of look back and say, hmm, I guess I kind of regret that. Well, what are you doing to yourself? What are you doing? Just live in the moment. Be happy where you are and be happy with what you have. Okay? So, you know, that's the personal life. And when it comes to work, live in the moment. This is key. You know, whatever you have in front of you, deal with that first. Okay? One thing at a time. Don't be thinking tomorrow about, ooh, what do I have to do tomorrow? What do I have to do next week? No, no, no. It's not here yet. Cross that bridge when it's here. But it ain't. So focus on what's right in front of you. Live in the moment. Work in the moment. And we can all maybe maintain our sanity. And enjoy life. Be appreciative of what you have. Number two, she says, be resilient. Okay, in your personal life, be resilient. Uh, I've said this before on the bonfire, that crap will happen. Okay, that's, 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 that's what's going to happen in life. There are no guarantees. We're absolutely not entitled to having a, what is it, a, uh, a tragedy-free life or any sort of uh, discomfort. Okay, crap is going to happen to you. It's going to happen to us all. It could happen in varying degrees to different people, but everybody is kind of, you know, they're fighting their own battles. You could be someone who's struggling financially, or you could be someone who has an emotional, you know, problem. You know, you're not, you're not all there. You could be very antsy, anxious, moody. Uh, You could even be in depression, whatever. You people could be in physical pain. Others could be feeling like they're, they're, they don't have a friend in the world. You know, everybody is fighting their own battles. Okay. So, Lighten up. Be resilient and understand, okay, well, uh, this this will pass. I can do this. I can make it through this, you know, personal problem. Whatever's going on, I can make it through it. And that can prepare me for future problems as well. Because if you're resilient, man, you can make it through everything. You can make it through everything that life can throw at you. Uh, for business, uh, you know, business and work, be resilient. It's the same thing. If uh, stuff starts breaking, people are annoying you, coworkers, or you're worried you're about to be fired, you know, be resilient. Stand up and say, okay, I can do this. I got this. Um, I'm going to work harder. Uh, I'm going to try to reach out more to this coworker that I'm having problems with. Whatever. Be resilient and know that, well, crap is going to happen. I don't think you're resilient at all if you just turn a blind eye and say, no, that's not going to happen to me. Mm, It probably will. Something, you're going to have to deal with something, Okay. So be resilient, fight through it, and you can get through it. I don't know. That's makes sense to me. So thank you, Emma. Uh, number three, she says, keep calm Ugh, and carry on. Yeah, we've all seen that t-shirt before, okay? But the key here is keep calm. That means don't don't lose your cool in your personal life. If you're, again, these, these, are, all, these are all kind of connected. If you're thinking about the future, you're dwelling on the past, well, slow down, take a deep breath, keep calm. Because losing your cool, you're not helping anybody. You're not helping yourself. You're not helping the people around you who are going to see it and be affected by you. You're not doing anybody any favors by losing your mind. If you, are, if you get angry, moody, chances are you're going to take that out on your loved ones, those around you. And they're going to say, where did that come from? Why are you... Why are you angry at me. I did nothing to you. And then you're going to respond back because you're still angry. Well, it was a bad day at work, you know, so you're not, you're not helping it. Calm down. Take a deep breath. <sighs> there you go. You know, for personal life, be calm. Um, it's critical to just slow down and think, not overreact. 
Same thing with business. Keep calm. When crap happens, don't freak out. Freaking out and worrying does not help the situation at all. I still find myself doing that, but it clicks right in my head again. Ooh, oh yeah, calm down. Okay, mm-hmm, I got this. All right, all right, all right, we got this. And then you move on. Done and done. Number four, she says, do more of nothing. Uh, it's kind of like what she suggested in a previous article, you know, goofing off. Finding the time to space out. Yeah, do more of nothing. In your personal life, you don't always need something to do every day. Every weekend, you don't need to travel, socialize, eat out, spend all this money. How about you spend one afternoon, one morning, go eat by yourself, go get a book, go read somewhere, maybe watch you know a little bit of TV, watch one movie by yourself, sleep in longer, go work out, do something where you're not being stimulated by music, movies, human interaction. Hell, you could even do practically nothing and go sit by the lake, go sit in a forest, a forest, a park. (laughs) You could sit in a forest, you know, do what you got to do, but do nothing. Kind of just let your mind wander. Um, You got to let your mind compartmentalize the day and your week, you know, let it work out everything that you've been through. You have to give it time to catch up. It's, It's like a computer. You know, it can only do so much before you'll just overwhelm it and then it starts to burn out. You got to say, I got to stop. Everyone, shut up. I'm going alone. I'm going to go for a walk and just let my mind wander. Not with music, not with earbuds. I'm just going to walk and listen. Let my mind wander. Whatever you got to do. Pray, meditate, sleep, get a massage. I don't know. Do more of nothing where you're not constantly running around. You got appointments and you're just trying to fill up your day with stuff. You don't always need to fill it up. You can kind of sit there and space out for a couple minutes, whatever you need. Perfectly fine. Now for work, do more of nothing. She was, she's kind of referring more to, okay, if you have deadlines and you're super busy and it's hectic and stressful, then find a time in your day where you rearrange your desk or you order it. You go for a walk and you're just thinking, oh, okay, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to load up the dishwasher at work. You know, I see everybody's coffee mugs sitting here. I'm just going to rinse them out with water quickly and then pop them in the dishwasher. Done and done. Okay. You did a little productivity there. It wasn't work-related, but you you were able to kind of tune out. You weren't devoting a whole lot of your mental capacity to cleaning mugs. So look for those opportunities to, you know, arrange your desk, go for a walk, sit on the couch or sit at your desk and just kind of stare at the ceiling for a couple minutes. Take a deep breath. It's okay. It's okay. Part five, number five, she says, be good to yourself. Here she's saying, look, we all make mistakes. You're very high and mighty if you think that you don't make mistakes and that when someone makes a mistake, you criticize them and you just eat them up. I mean, what does that say about you? You'd say, wow, man, you have no patience. We're human beings things happen. You know, we screw up. I'm sorry. Let's remedy it. Remedy it. Absolutely. But I mean, who are you to think? (laughs) How dare you make a mistake? Okay. Calm down. Um, Be kind to yourself. Understand that you will make mistakes. Learn from them. Do your best to avoid them. And the key here is remember, hey, other people do the same thing too. So it's kind of connected back to like number two and point number three. Keep your cool. Be resilient and understand, hey, look, they're going to make mistakes too. Crap happens. When it does, don't freak out. You're making it worse. Take a deep breath. Keys to happiness and success. It's all about your attitude. You want to be a victim or do you want to 
take control of the situation. If your boss lays you down with all this work and says, hey, I need this done by 3 p.m., you, you could lose your mind and freak out and bitch and moan, whatever. But that's your problem. <laughs> that's your problem the second you decide to do that. Or you could say, wow, that is going to be difficult. I'm going to get up right now. I'm going to go get another cup of coffee or some water, some juice, and I'm just going to take a deep breath. And then I'm going to jump into it. And next thing I know, uh, oh, hey, well, it's done. Okay. It's about your attitude. Okay. And six, be compassionate to others. There it is. It's understanding. Yes, we all make mistakes. So if you focus on, you know, the needs of others and it's not all about you because it's not, um, chances are people will see, wow, I mean, that's a, he's a pretty selfless person. He's thinking about my needs. He came up to me and was like, Hey, so, uh, are you good? Do you need any help today? I finished my work early. Is there anything I can help you with? I have, a, I have half an hour that I can help you with. To a lot of people, they'll say, wow, um, actually, I think I'm good, but I really appreciate you uh, you asking because you thought of me. Uh, thank you. And hey, you know what? If you ever need help, I'll be there for you. You're building this camaraderie, both in your personal life and uh, your work life, to say, I'm here, to, I'm here to help you. I can do that. I'm not going to be your slave, but shoot, if there's something I can help you with and there's the time and it works out, great. I'd love to. Put other people's needs first because human nature, they're going to reciprocate. You know, just give and give. <laughs> and you'd be surprised. You can give a whole lot more than you than you would expect. And it just, it just comes. It's great. So Emma here, she's got her six points for the keys to uh, success and happiness. I like it. I like it, Emma. Um, something that Bonfire has always been about. Work hard. Play harder. Um, think of others. Be selfless. But enjoy. Live in the moment. Be happy. It's, it is absolutely about your attitude. If you look hard enough, you could find all sorts of problems in your life. Uh, but that's not the smart thing to do. That's not the mature thing to do. Be an adult and say, well, look, here's what I have good. Here's what is going well for me. And then take advantage of that and say, oh, my goodness. I love my Friday nights because I go home. I get to eat because, honestly, not everybody gets to eat. Come on. Think about that. Every single time you take a bite. Revel it and say, oof, man, that's a good burrito. That's a good sandwich. Whatever. But enjoy it. Not everybody gets to eat. Not everybody has a bed. Not everybody has a roof over their head. Come on. Be happy that for what you have, what you've worked hard for, but don't be cocky. This is, I mean, ugh, kind of going on a tangent here. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to wrap up here this block because the next one I'm going to talk about what I'm doing this weekend, and it is my way of loosening up, getting away from work, being happy, living in the moment, and I'm going to say that all coming up right up next. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing 
washer and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. This is The Bonfire On Demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. You know, here's what I get to do this weekend. As you're listening to this, chances are I will be in Oklahoma. What for, you ask? Well, not for the casinos, although I've been there. No, I'm not going to Oklahoma to go gambling and be just overwhelmed by all the noises and the lights and the people. No. I'm going to Oklahoma so I can go camping. Oh, my goodness. Camping is, you know what? Here's how I'm going to explain it. In today's world, 21st century, we are spoiled with so much technology, highway systems, cars, food, people. You know, we get into get into a rhythm, sort of the concrete cities, so much civilization, and it's great. It's fantastic. But Bonfire is all about balance, so let's try to balance things out. It's great to go and travel and be outside. So that's why I go camping. I go camping to go out in the woods, go on hikes, take um, deep, deep breaths of fresh air, light a fire, do some grilling, cook the food, be with the friends, have some good conversation. <laughs> and typically we go to the liquor store. That's about eh, 30 minutes away from the campsite. We each buy ourselves a little little bottle of liquor, and we say, all right, this is what I'm drinking tonight, and we'll go get some sort of mixer. I don't know, something easy that you can get, and then just do it right there at the campsite and say, all right, this is my drink tonight. We make sure we eat plenty, plenty of good food. We bring it along, and we grill, we cook out, make the fire, and typically this time of year, which is when we really like to camp because it's cooler out, we say, great, this is a great use of the fire because there are, there are no bugs when it's cold out, which is great. But the fire just keeps us warm, and it's very, not homey, it's it's so rare, you know, to just have a campfire. Like I said, we're so used to just the day-to-day, how often do you have a fire? Do you even have a fireplace wherever you live, a house or apartment? Probably not. Not everybody does. How often do you get to just go camping, go out in the woods, just tune out the phones, the music? the technology, the computers, and just say, what are we doing today? Well, we're waking up whenever we want. We are going to cook breakfast here over the fire. Then we're just going to go hiking, wander around, explore, find, you know, uh, ancient, ancient, find old buildings, you know, broken down areas and just be like, oh, let's just wander around. This is fun. It's exciting. You're going on an adventure. Come on. Who doesn't like that? If you're not someone who's ever gone camping, I really recommend it. I'm not saying you go for a month or become some hillbilly. You just need to go for one night. And that's what we do. We are, we're here in Dallas, my roommates and I. And so we go to a place in Oklahoma that's only about two hours away because we realize we can wake up Saturday morning, drive there two hours away, and we're able to set up camp, and then hike around for the day, cook lunch, and next thing we know, it's actually getting kind of dark. It gets dark early in the winter. So then we're like, all right, time to go back to the campsite. Let's go back into town if we need any food, which town, like I said, is only about 30 minutes away. So you're far enough from the Metroplex, DFW, but close enough to a little town in case you need something from the grocery store, 
or uh, liquor, <laughs> you can go get it. And then you come right back to the state park and you say, all right, what are we doing tonight? Well, we brought the guitar, we're going to cook some food, and we're going to have some drinks. And we are just enjoying each other's company. We're enjoying the fact that we're outside, we're not on our computers, the TV is nowhere, no music, it's just peace and quiet. And it's, it's out of the ordinary. That's, so, that's what's so refreshing about it. So, for example, if you're someone who camps a lot, then maybe you go into the city one night because you never do that. Or maybe you're someone who's always at the beach. Well, go you know, further inland and go camping. Whatever. Do something out of the ordinary that you don't normally do because that's what makes it so, I think, genuine and authentic. You say, hey, this is different. I like this. It's so rare that we get to do this. I r- love every moment. So... That's what we'll be doing this weekend. Camping at Turner Falls, Oklahoma. Uh, we don't go swimming. It's usually <laughs> too cold. I hate the cold. So it's kind of weird that I go camping. But, you know, bundle up, get a fire going and a tent, you're perfectly fine. So, yes, I'm very excited that I get to go camping. While the rest of you are listening to this with your crazy technology. Um, yes, Bonfire recommends that you go have your own bonfire somewhere. Go Go on an adventure. Go exploring. Go somewhere you don't normally go and, you know, take a stab at it. Have fun. Loosen up. Get away from work. Turn off the technology. It's great, but you got to unplug every now and then. Kind of cleanse yourself of being attached at the hip with your phone and your laptop and the TV. You can go one day without it. Come on. Offer it up. Suck it up. Just say, all right, well, I can do it one day. It's a good training exercise. Let's see if you can't get off technology. A lot of us are just so addicted to it, we think, oh my God, I left the house without my phone. I have to go home right now and get it. And you were just going to the grocery store and you were going to be gone for 10 minutes. Yet you drive home to go get it. Uh, Come on. You can spend, you know, less than 24 hours without your phone, without technology. So Bonfire recommends you do that however you want to do it. Camping, beaching, swimming, whatever. Do what you got to do. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. You can't hug the Huma. That's that's not going to fly. That's not going to work. So she she throws her. I, I just think it's a metaphor for the Clinton campaign, which is, you know, Hillary's out there kissing babies. Meanwhile, her staff, like, has that baby had its shots yet? They're like, whoa, whoa, hey, oh, settle down there, Clinton staff. They're a little, they're a little rough. Um, I just, I don't know, guys. We There has to be a way to not... Hillary can win this election. Come on. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire On Demand. Hosted by Andrew Herzog. On the Blaze Radio Network. Now, if you're like me, you like road trips. I've I've taken, you know, many road trips over the years, ever since I was a little kid. Uh, One of the most recent ones that I can remember is my trip to the Grand Canyon. I went with some roommates, and we drove from Dallas all the way to Arizona, to the Grand Canyon. You know, we stopped by Roswell, I believe Albuquerque, and we finally made it to the Grand Canyon, Flagstaff, then turned around after we camped out there. You know, camping is always a fun thing to do, especially in the Grand Canyon. Oh my goodness, that was surreal. You can't believe that stuff. You say this 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 actually exists. I've only ever seen it in pictures and movies and that kind of that kind of stuff. But then when you're actually there and you're looking out over it, you're like, wow, mm, unbelievable, <laughs> insane, absolutely insane. Anyway, 
you know, after the Grand Canyon, drove back, and I believe we went through Tucson, and then all the way back to Dallas. Uh, I don't know the distance off the top of my head, but I believe it took 24 hours to go from Dallas to Arizona, and then, of course, round trip. So 48 hours round trip just in the car. Now, I didn't mind it, really. I kind of enjoyed it because I had good company. And I knew where we were, where we were going. I said, oh, we get to go to the Grand Canyon. I know exactly what's going on. This is great. Um, not everybody is a huge fan, though, of road trips. So, perhaps in the next several years, then this would be something for you. There's this, what is it, Massachusetts-based company. It's called Terrafugia, maybe. I don't know how to pronounce this crap. Anyway, Terrafugia... Now, there's this article in the Daily Mail. It's about flying cars are just two years away. Terra Fugia claims its TFX will be ready to take to the skies by 2018. All right, they're suggesting here that they're going to be, there's just like kind of unmanned prototype that will be available in 2018. And that not until really 2024 will it be available for general sale and be, you know, good to go to sell to the public. But they're working on that. That's It's interesting. It's fun. To be able to say this 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 car here, you park it in your garage, okay? So it's it fits. They're, the wings aren't out all the time; they fold up, so you can park it in your garage. And when you're ready, you say, "Hey, who wants to go to the Grand Canyon?" And you say, "Oh, I do." Okay. Well, guess what? We're gonna take the plane. <laughs> what do you do? You go to the garage. You hop in. This carries four people that they're trying to design here and uh, make happen. Four people. They say it has a distance of 500 miles. Okay, um, you couldn't get to the Grand Canyon, at least from Dallas. You could probably do it other places. But think about that. You wouldn't have to worry about any traffic. You jump right in the car, back out of the garage, and you just go. That's what's so unique about this one is because I've seen other types of you know, hybrid car planes like this. And so far, what they've been able to do is all they do is they unfold the wings. you got to find yourself a runway and then take off just like a normal plane. Uh, okay. Well, not everybody has a, an airport near them. And then you'd have to, of course, go through all sorts of, you know, legal issues and wait your turn. I'm sure there's lots of junk that you have to go through if you actually flew out of the actual airport. So this TFX, they're saying, you know what? Let's just do away with that. Why don't we just have them take off from their front lawn and then go? It's exactly what it is. There's this video here, and you watch it. It takes off like a helicopter, so straight up into the air. Then it starts flying, and it's like a helicopter. It's got the propellers. At some point, though, the blades will fold in, and by then, there's this huge fan on the back, and that's what propels you. So it's not a a jet engine, but it's a big-ass fan, and that's what powers the vehicle. And the arms stay out, of course, so you can fly just like a plane. So it's... A helicopter plane car hybrid? That's crazy. That's, man, that's Jetsons crap. It's crazy that this is actually happening now. And they think, you know, within eight years, they'll perfect it. It'll be safe. They'll get all the regulations, everything done. And be able to put four people in it, go 500 miles, go as 200 miles an hour. So you're like, hey, psh, if I want to fly to, you know, somewhere that's, you know, 300 miles away. We can get there a hell of a lot quicker if we just take the airplane here. And instead of fighting traffic and gas, we can just go right there. I th- I'm assuming this is an electric. Maybe not. Maybe it's a hybrid like gas and electric. Um, I believe the starting price, if I read this correctly, 
Let me see if I can find it. It says $260,000. Okay, obviously out of the price range of most people. But who knows? Maybe by the time they get this all said and done, they're actually able to drop it a little bit. Who knows? Uh, Not everybody's going to have this because furthermore, not only do you have to have a driver's license, you have to have a pilot's license. So there you go. And that's paying for the lessons themselves. So it's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be cheap to have one of these bad boys. You know, you have to only, it says you only have to have 20 hours of flight time before you're qualified to fly this. So, but still, personally, I hate flying. (laughs) I've said this before on Bonfire. I'm terrified of flying. I don't know why. I just am. So would I get one of these? Probably not. I don't want to get my pilot's license. I don't care. I don't have the money for it anyway. Even if I did, why would I spend 260 grand on that? That's... Damn, that's a whole nother house you could buy. Multiple houses, even. If you wanted to buy rundown houses and you're like, hey, I'm a fixer-upper. I love to do this crap. I like to do home improvement. Man, you could buy, you can do so much more with 260 grand than getting one of these. Okay? So it's not for everybody. But that idea that it's coming. And, you know, with capitalism, as the years go by, um, competitors rise up and say, hey, we could do it better than you. And typically, they're also going for a price reduction, making it more affordable to the consumers like us. So who's to say by the time I'm 60 that not everybody, everybody will have a flying car of some sorts, just like the Jetsons, and they're actually affordable and that they're kind of they're automated. So you're you just push a button and say, take me to work. And then it flies you to work, drops you off. No more wrecks because they're all, you know, automated sort of uh, vehicles that are avoiding one another and working back to the future. Who knows? Who knows? But I like this idea. Being able to just roll right out of your driveway, take off like a helicopter, and then fly to your destination. And when you get there, it converts back to a helicopter and lands it for you. You know, that's what they're saying here is it does it does most of the work for you. Goes 200 miles an hour and it has a 500 mile distance and it carries four people. But it's almost 300 grand. Okay. Well, you lost me right there with the price. So, but it's I like that. That's interesting because uh even if right now, let's say it was 50 grand, 40 grand just like the average price of new cars nowadays. And they say, hey, Andrew, do you want this? I'd say, um, no. <laughs> I don't like flying. And I have to go get my pilot's license too. Okay, well, I don't want to go through that either. My time is valuable to me too. So I think I'll just stick with my car and enjoy the ride and switch off with drivers. There's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's a part of the trip. You're not, it's not just the destination. It's also about the journey. That's what I've always felt. You're in the car, you're having a good conversation with your buddies, whoever's in the car with you. You can listen to some music, audiobooks, take a nap, stop off on the side of the road and say, hey, we're going to go eat at that restaurant. Let's take an hour break, go to the bathroom, get some food, you know, walk a little bit and then stretch our legs. Then we can get back in the car and keep going. I've always loved road trips and doing it with friends. It's fantastic. If you're in a plane and it gets you there 10 times fast, you'd say, shoot, well, we're already there. Okay. Well, I think you missed something. You missed the journey. So... This won't be for everybody, certainly not affordable, (laughs) but that is where technology is headed. It's crazy, crazy that that kind of stuff is kind of happening right now. You know, there's Tesla and all sorts of vehicles now that are trying to do the automation avoidance systems and auto park, and you push a button and the car comes around for you. That's cool. I'm okay with that. I wouldn't do Tesla right now because those are still, I believe, like 100 grand. 
for the mm, not top of the line car, just an average one. The average um, SL, SLR? No, that's not it. I did get to drive a Tesla well, a couple of years ago, test drive one, but I forget what I drove. P85D, that's what I drove. And that was the performance uh, dual motor, you know, kind of the sports vehicle. <laughs> Man, that thing was fast. That was crazy. And it was all battery powered. You know, technology just keeps getting better and better. And uh, if it gets cheaper, then more of us would probably, uh, you know, be on board. Yeah, so just my two cents worth. So yes, I could have gone camping uh, far away, but I decided to go close so that I could make it back to work on Monday. And so I'm enjoying the car ride. That's how I roll. This is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show. Hopefully, we're smart enough not to let the robots take over. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I made myself laugh. You know that's not going to happen as well as I do. Sooner or later, the robot says, um, you suck. You're stupid. I'm going to take over. Got it? I mean, that just changes everything. The Jeff Fisher Show. Saturday morning, 6 to 8 Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire. On demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Ah, yes, the podcast has now come full circle. The A Block was about the six keys to happiness and success. Here in the D Block, someone who has no idea what those concepts are. In case you didn't see this article last week, um, someone by who goes by the name of Talia Jane decided to write an open letter to her CEO of Yelp and say, basically, eh, you don't pay me enough. I have a really hard life here in San Francisco. Um, it's just so difficult, you know. This job really sucks. Everybody hates it. And you have so many problems. And she just started going off on that. And you're like, okay, calm down, lady. You know, she may have had a point, except not really. And here is a great example. Someone decided to respond back to that open letter. And her name is Stephanie Williams. Now, she is a 29-year-old. And the first girl, Talia, who was complaining, is 25. So they're close in age. But here we're going to read a lot of what Stephanie had to say word for word. Here's what she says. Dear Talia Jane, after reading your article detailing the absolute struggle you dealt with while working for a Bay Area-based corporation, I felt it imperative to address your concerns and, above all, your obvious need for financial assistance. It sounds like you've hit some real post-Haitian earthquake-style hard times, so maybe some advice will help while you drink that incredibly expensive bourbon you posted on your Instagram account and eat that bag of rice, which was the only other thing you could afford. My name is Stephanie. I'm not much older than you. I'll be turning the big three zero in three weeks' time. It seems like a lifetime ago I sat in my sophomore year apartment crying about how I would never be able again to relate to Baba Riley or scenes from an Italian restaurant. But here I am having survived my 20s with some grace and a lot of humility. However, despite our less than a decade difference in age, it seems we're worlds apart in the concept of work ethic. But somehow, I'm not surprised. Those five little years are incredibly important. And she goes into detail here saying how her first job, right out of college, she was let go because back in 09, the economy crashed. And she, you know, was um, laid off just like millions of other people. And she's fighting all these other people for jobs, for opportunities. And she's like, this is going to be really difficult. She was feeling really down. She goes to a bar and she's eventually able to get a job at the bar. She becomes a waitress and she's like, this sucks, but I need money. I'm willing to do it. And uh, after months and then years of slowly picking herself up at 
you know, waitressing, she's like, hey, I'm actually now okay. I'm starting to make enough money. Oh, now I'm actually starting to make a good amount of money. And now I can travel. Now I can have a good life. I can move into the city like I initially wanted. And she's now pursuing her dreams, which is great. But her key, her point is saying, oh, I worked for that. That took a while. You know, it doesn't just happen like that. It's just so here. Here is now what Stephanie has to say the rest of the time. All of this was afforded to me, not in the first month I was working at a restaurant, but after I put in the hours, made the sacrifices and sucked up my pride in order to make ends meet and figure out what I wanted to do and how to do it. I gave up holidays with my family in order to work extra shifts and make the good tips. I put up with people making rude comments, assuming I was just a wannabe actress, assuming I didn't go to college, all just to make money. I lived with my mother, my first roommate, and then moved in with two others soon after because living in New York by yourself is a luxury, not an affordable option. I commuted 40 minutes each way every day at first, sometimes missing the late night train and having to sit in Penn Station for an extra hour or two waiting to get home. I dealt with the pitying looks of my former classmates or their parents when they would see me at the hostess stand and walking into the service station in my heels laughing to myself knowing that their child was addicted to coat and hating their amazing job. I paid my dues. I did what I had to do in order to survive with the help of my family. I was gracious and thankful and worked as hard as I could even if it was a job that sometimes made me question my worth. And I was successful because of that. Had you ended your whole whining disdain about full health coverage and expensive copays by saying you had taken a job at Starbucks or a waitressing job in order to make money while you were on the search for a new job that requires the basic knowledge most teenagers with a Twitter account hold these days, I'd have maybe given you some credit. Saying you moved in with several roommates to cut costs, tried to budget in a way that was more practical, and applied for jobs that were more about salary and growth than bragging rights and trends, I'd say, hey, she's making an effort. But you are a young, white, English-speaking woman with a degree and a family who I would assume is helping you out at the moment, and you're asking for handouts from strangers while you sit on your ass looking for cushy jobs you're not entitled to while you complain about the establishment, probably from a nice laptop. To you, that is more acceptable than taking a job in a restaurant or a coffee shop or a fast food place. And that's the trouble with you, not just your outlook, but the outlook of so many people your age. You think it is somehow more impressive to ask strangers for money by writing some witty open letter than it is to put on your big girl pants and take a job you might be embarrassed by in order to make ends meet. And as someone who not only took the embarrassing job, but thrived at it, made bank from it, and found a career path through it, I am utterly disgusted by your attitude. Being an English major isn't the problem. Minimum wage isn't the problem in this case. Do I like Yelp? Not particularly. Do I like that CEOs make pathetic amounts of money? Not particularly. (laughs) Side note, um, they're not pathetic amounts. They're actually pretty awesome amounts. Anyway, back to the story. But turning this girl's inability to work for what she wants into a conversation about poverty and wage issues is utter BS. This is about this girl's personal responsibility to be an adult and find a job or two. God forbid she has to give up a weekend day to be a waitress and then an affordable living situation and an affordable city in which to work. She believes she deserves these things that most of us would call luxuries. You expected to get what you thought you deserved rather than expected to work for what you had to earn. And that's the problem entirely. Work ethic is not something that develops from entitlement. Quite the opposite, in fact. It develops when you realize there are a million other people who could perform your job and you are lucky to have one. It comes from sucking up the bad aspects and focusing on the good. And above it all comes from humility. It comes from modesty. And those are two things based on your article that you clearly do not possess. Trust me when I say there are far more embarrassing things in life than working at a restaurant, washing dishes, or serving burgers at a fast food window. 
And one of them, without one shred of a doubt, is displaying your complete lack of work ethic in public by asking for handouts because you refuse to actually do work that at the ripe old age of 25 that you think is unworthy of your witty, tweet-creating time. You wanted to write memes? Darling, you just became one. Oh, yeah. Boom! Smackdown. I, I, I'm not, um, reveling in the Smackdown. I want to say Talia. Yeah, girl, what are you doing? You're in San Francisco. That's the most expensive city in the country as far as living. You know? Just what were you expecting? If you're working for Google, maybe you could afford that. Actually, if you let me rephrase that. If you were working a, you know, a chief managing position at Google or some other massive corporation, maybe you could afford to live in San Francisco. But what are you doing? You're not. You're just someone at the bottom rung of Yelp. Well, you were. What are you, what are you thinking? An easy solution to help make your rent more affordable, which you certainly complained about, was, yeah, find a roommate. Or two. I have two roommates, and I live in Dallas. I do that because I like these guys, and because we all realize, hey, we need to take advantage of this opportunity so we can all have a cheaper rent and then spend and save our money on other things. Think about other people. Other ways to get around your problems. <laughs> and those are first world problems, girl. Yeah, you're just trying to gin up sympathy from us. But Stephanie here kind of shot you down, and she's absolutely right. Here's a girl who said, hey, I was there when the economy crashed right out of college. I was let go, and then I had to start back up. Um, crawling. Not even on my feet. I had to crawl to even get to my feet. Then once I was on my feet, then maybe I could start pursuing my dreams. Stephanie understood it. You know, she understood success. Ugh, what does that mean? Well, mm I don't know. Let's go for it. I'm just going to start. I got I to gotta make money. I have to make my way. I'm going to go home. It's embarrassing, but it could be worse. She did it. She went home. Then she got a roommate. Then she got a couple roommates. Then she moved to the city. Boom. She started making progress. And it took several months and years for her to do that. It doesn't happen overnight. And it shouldn't happen overnight. So I applaud Stephanie for putting Talia in her place. And I suggest everybody... Take the words of both of these ladies, think about them, and say, okay, where am I in my life? I need to be more thankful for what I have. And when things are getting tough, man, shut up and work harder. That's what you do. I always try to remind myself of that. There are days that I have, and I think to myself, oh, this is terrible. Okay. But then I think of these articles here, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're not terrible. I got, I got it pretty good. Most of us do, thank God. So, be happy for what you have. And if it gets just a wee bit harder, how about you push just a wee bit harder and get it done? Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Talia. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the Bonfire Podcast. Uh, well, I'll be back next week. Please remember to go to bonfirethoughts.com, check out all of the articles, and we got some new submissions from uh, from writers. And we, we appreciate anybody who would like to send us your, your stuff. Culture entertainment, sports, travel, movie reviews, food reviews, whatever. Send it our way, because that is what Bonfire is about. The good stuff. The apolitical stuff. And of course, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, ooh, yeah. <laughs> that is it. That is all 
for the Bonfire Social Media. Everybody, thank you very much for tuning in. I will uh, talk to you next week. Goodbye. This is the Bonfire On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network.